Welcome to Glib Shark, the podcasting madness of three people and the shark of their dreams. Our hosts include Jack Jenga Ship Edithel, Lauren Obo Crazy Urban, and Jonathan Roadblock Cerna. Dive in as they chat with interesting people across the internet and generally talk about really geeky things. Be a chum and join us, won't you? It's time for Glib Shark. Right. So uh, I am going to tweet while you do This Week in Geek. Sure. But before we can do that, hi, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Lauren. And we are Glib Shark. We are so happy that you are listening to us. Probably not live because we've not let, actually told anyone that we're live. And we've had a couple of weeks since our last show, or at least a week since our last show. So we're back. We're going to be taking another week off because of RTX next week. Yay! So we won't have a live show then. But we will have some Dungeons and & Dragons and Drunk stuff, which we will get to here in just a bit. Yay! But before we get to any of that, we have the lovely, the talented, the amazing Obo Crazy here to do a little something we call This Week in Geek. How are you, Obo? I'm excited about science. So first, there is an eclipse on August 21st. And if you live in the United States, this is a big deal because this is a rare United States eclipse, which actually doesn't happen very often. And not just a corner of the United States. It is basically crossing the entire country. That's right. Full on solar eclipse, kind of within driving distance of most of the country. Some of the extremes, the northeastern part of the United States, you're pretty far away. And the southern tip of California in that area, you're kind of far away. But if you live anywhere else, you're basically within driving distance of a solar eclipse, which is kind of amazing. So your next question should be, great, how do I go see the solar eclipse? I've got some time to now plan out a route and go somewhere. What do I need to do? Well, there are plenty of places online that you can go and figure out where you have to go to see such a possibly once-in-a-lifetime experience, depending on who you are. The best place that offers a comprehensive resource for not just where you need to go, but what actually the meteorological... um, what the weather might be to give you the best chance to actually see as much of the eclipse as possible is actually from a Canadian meteorologist because yay Canada. So if you go to eclipsophile.com and I'll spell that for you, E-C-L-I-P-S-O-P-H-I-L-E. It is a website that is actually run by a meteorologist who is a self-proclaimed fan of eclipses and there is a whole big overview of everything you need to know so that you can decide all right here here are the possible places that i can go to sanely here is the possible places that i can go to if maybe i want to take an entire weekend or something here's the locations that probably have the best weather uh for that time of year for those viewing conditions and blah 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 now i am super excited because the eclipse is actually going to be coming right across portland oregon which is a mere few hours south of me so i do plan on taking the trip on down to go see what is probably my first and probably my last solar eclipse. But you never know. Anyway, definitely go check that out. It is a super fantastically geeky resource, and you now officially have 
plenty of time, especially if you only live a couple of hours away drive from the eclipse path, you have plenty of time to make some plans to go see this thing. It is basically get yourself in the path of the shadow and it's a free a meteorological it's a free event of a universal lifetime. So go see the solar eclipse. Speaking of science, um years in the future we're going to be living on the Starship Enterprise. But there's probably going to be a point before we have all of those fun uh replicators in where we still have to, say, bring on and grow our own food and, you know, do things the old-fashioned way, as it were. And let's face it, we're going to want to have wine. Because we've had wine for thousands of years. Why shouldn't we have that wine for thousands of years more? And so scientists have anticipated this fact and are trying to grow grapes, but winemaking grapes, in space. The first two, uh, or the first uh, thing is being done by NASA's vegetable production system, uh, which is working on actually being able to just grow things in space. They're focused more on salad-type crops. Healthy-ish things, I guess. But, you know, it's not a far stretch to say, well, why can't we just make wine grapes happen? And so there are... Uh, actual people who are trying to figure out what do we need to do to get wine grapes to grow in space. There's size limitations. Obviously, right now, spaceships have a very small space. And one of the main issues with grapes for winemaking is the vines. They can take up a lot of room. And um, they are working on USDA-developed dwarf fruit trees to do be able to do things like grow fruit and vegetables that would normally take up a lot of space. Um, they're working on finding wine vines that will wrap around other plants so that they can try to conserve some more of that space. A One of the fun things about this is apparently it's once you actually have some space, you can actually grow these vines kind of anywhere. You can actually grow grape making uh, vine wine making grapes in an apartment um they won't necessarily be the most amazing grapes and make the most amazing wine but you can do it and guess what if that's all you got then that's what you're gonna make um they've been sending space vines to sit aboard the international space station to see um about pollination efforts and um all kinds of things that that are weird questions that you need to answer when you send plants to space. The pollination thing being the thing that I really didn't think about until they're like, yeah, so we've got all these tomatoes, but we have no bees or flies or anything to pollinate anything. And if you want tomatoes, you need to be able to do what flowers do. If you don't know how flowers work, I'm not going to go into that right now. Go to Wikipedia, find out how flowers work. But it seems that the microgravity is not an issue. And Wine is, or grapes are hardy little vines. And yeah, it might be, um, we might be having rosé on our trip to Mars, which would be awesome. I also just love the fact that there are people who are thinking about our next step in our evolution of going to space and living on another planet or living in space and are thinking about all of the super important things like how to feed us and how to get us drunk. Finally, in something that has zero to do with any type of science and has 100% to do with Nintendo wants to make more money, 
hey, guess what? To the surprise of nobody, the SNES Classic Edition is going to be coming out soon. Yes! That's right. Do you remember the tiny little NES, the, the tiny little uh, Nintendo system that came out that sold out within like five minutes? And then Nintendo was like, nope, we're not making any more of those. Why would we want to print money? They're coming out with the Super Nintendo version of it. The uh, SNES Classic Edition will be priced at about $80. It will include two SNES controllers. So that's why it's a little more expensive than the original tiny little NESs. It actually has two controllers. And they released a complete list of games. And if you thought the S, the, the NES... the any, well, That thing was called like the NES Micro? Was it just the Nintendo... It was classic? the Nintendo Mini Classic, I believe. Mini Classic. That's I knew Mini was in there somewhere. So this is just the SNES Classic, as I think what they're calling it. So the the NES version had a pretty good lineup of games. I think the SNES might have a better lineup. It includes Donkey Kong Country, uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, Mega Man X, Secret of Mana, uh, Star Fox and Star Fox 2, uh, Super Fighter so, 2 Turbo Hyper Fighter Edition. So here's something real quick about Star Fox 2. Yeah. I don't believe it ever came out, actually, on the SCNS. Uh, oh, yes, that's right. Nintendo's even included the never-before-released Star Fox 2, which has only been available to play through downloads and emulation until now. So, yeah, that is, that is a, a brand new one. Um, I saw something on Twitter where the developers were having a release party, like... 30 years after they made the game. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah it also includes, uh, you've got Super Mario Kart, Super Mario World, and Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. So you get your your quota of Mario. You get Super Metroid. You get a lot of Super in this. So anyway, that's going to be released. Have they actually, uh, have they listed when they're releasing it? I'm looking real quick. Ah, September 29th, it will officially launch. They don't know how long it'll be available. They don't know if they're going to have limited numbers like the last time. They haven't said. And there'll probably be a run on the stores for them, which will be ridiculous. So anyway, good news for all you people who like holding old consoles as tiny little versions in your hands. Because I I remember playing those as a kid. I'm old enough that I had those systems when they came out. So did I. Yeah. Yeah. I Like the SCNS was the first console I ever had. And... Like, in middle school, kids had the NES, mm-hmm. but I wasn't one of those kids. And it's one of the reasons why the NES Classic, while it was cool, it was like, eh, that's neat, but it's not something that's really a priority for me. The S, the SNES Classic is something I'm definitely getting because it was my first console since the Atari at that point. Like, it was my first Nintendo console. And I remember playing, like... Secret of Mana, I had 20-minute Super Mario World runs. Super Mario Kart was awesome. I used to play with my brother all the time. Same with Street Fighter. So I've never played Paper Mario, and I've never played Link to the Past, so I am looking forward to those a lot. It is really interesting that you say that because I've had the opposite reaction. I think these are cool, don't get me wrong, but because I had a Nintendo, and I had a Super Nintendo, I also had Atari, um, because we were, my family are geeks, I played a bunch of those games. Now, not all of them. There were some that I've missed. But because I've played them, I don't actually have... I have the opposite. 
I don't have the interest in buying this thing because while I have a ton of nostalgia, I'm like, but I've played those. Now, if they put out, um, I never had a PlayStation 1. I know that's a completely different company. But if for some reason PlayStation, Sony was to decide that they were going to follow suit and put out a tiny, tiny little PlayStation 1 with like 30 of the best games of all time on it, because I never had a, I had a PS2, so I played a couple PS1 games, but because I never had that system, I would 100% buy that because I'd be like, okay, first off, you get a tiny little system you can hold in the palm of your hand, which is adorable. And now you get to have all these games that you never got a chance to play. So I'm kind of the opposite. But you know what? For any reason that you want to play those games, those are all excellent games. The console is adorable. Um, $80, I think, is a reasonable price, especially for two controllers and for a ton of really good games. So save your pennies and get ready to stand in line, I guess. Um, I do have one other news story, but I don't know if we want to do it in This Week in Geek because I think this is more of a conversational thing. So I'm just going to say sure, sure, yeah. that's all for This Week in Geek. I'm oboe crazy, and I just like tiny, tiny little things I can hold in my hand. The world is indeed a tiny held-in-your-hand <laughs> place. And if you have a fact that you want read live and on the air, contact Obo Crazy at Obo Crazy or via her Rooster Teeth profile. I believe it's roosterteeth.com slash Obo Crazy. I think they have those where they, they resolve. But, I think uh, so. If, if it's good, even if it's bad, as long as it's geeky, uh, let her know and we will read it live and on the air. Uh, real quick, kind of circling back to the, uh, to the Super NES uh mini conversation sure i know and, and and more to the point to the playstation one a lot of the times like some of the some older games don't translate really well and i think that's one of the reasons why i held off on the nes classic was because sure yeah i could play mario 3 because i had never i'd never really played that all the way through mm -hmm. but some of the other games i'm not sure like like classic Zelda yeah that'd be kind of a uh, a trip but I don't I I don't know I felt like the the Super Nintendo was where games started having that sort of uh, uh I don't want to say I I'm trying to think of the right word to say it but a lot of times retro games quote-unquote will look like the any Super NES versus the NES like a like Earthbound or a lot of those like retro games that you'll see on Steam or or other platforms uh, Stardew Valley actually is another one where it looks more like an SCNS game versus an NES game. Especially old, or not old, especially later um, SNES games, end of the life NES, because to be honest, you're, you're talking about a changeover from 16 to 32 bit to 3D graphics. Um, the, yeah, but just the visuals of the SNES were so much better. And while I I have a lot of fondness for a whole bunch of NES games, and I believe that a bunch of them are stand up to this day despite the visuals, or even that the visuals don't still detract from it. Yeah, I think the the SNES is a much easier sell without upraising a bunch of things. Like I I still love the original Final Fantasy to this day. I think it's an amazing game, but you know, its graphics are, are super, I mean, people would look at that nowadays and without knowing in advance, they would be like, oh, this is a uh, bad 16-bit retro pixel art. And it's like, no, this is original shit right there, you know? So yeah, I could, I could, I think 
that's a that's a really good point. But um, it'll be interesting to see how many people continue to buy these tiny little consoles simply for the nostalgia factor, and <coughs> excuse me, who who actually will be able to play quote unquote new games to them. And do those games still ha- uh, hold up? Uh, looking at those lists, I think they will. I think, um, I think those were games picked for very good reasons. And um, even if Star Fox Two ends up being bad, um, it'll be an it'll be a uh, a unique piece of badness, which is at least something worth taking a look at. Right. They can say this is the first re- official release of this game, mm-hmm. uh, and. And that's that's something that you can market. That is something that you can speak to with this purchase. Yep. I know on one of the posts that I think uh, that people shared on Facebook that I was either tagged in or replied to or something like that, someone came along and there's always something like this on the internet where they were like, well, you can just make a emulator with a Raspberry Pi and you get all of that, but tons, tons more games. This is and true. And cheaper. This is true. And yes, that is absolutely true. You can just go buy a Raspberry Pi, get everything set up, uh, and it will cost you all told with the SD card, with the with the little computer, and with the controller that apparently looks and feels like a SNS controller. You could do all that for at or below $80. But for me, that's not the point. Mm-hmm. The point is, is that this is a a consumer product. This isn't a D, uh, D, DIY. This is something that has been put through the paces. This is something that has been tested and quality controlled, hopefully. So my worry with things like that, and it's one of the reasons why I don't build my own computers anymore, is I just don't want to have to deal with that shit. Like if my computer breaks because my video card is fighting with my system, I, that is one of the last things I want to deal with when I get home. Yeah. So I'd rather just everything worked and I feel like there's a higher chance of that with the the thing that you buy from Nintendo, the the SNS Classic. 100%. I think that is one of the main reasons I am a a console gamer instead of a computer gamer. It has zero to do with I would love to have a computer with the horsepower to be able to play games so that I could go onto Steam and browse the library and play all of the games that are only on uh, computers or just look better on computers because you have better specs. But I don't have the money or the time to want to put into building or maintaining a PC. And so for me... My, you know, it's the same argument when people ask, oh, for, for computers, do you go with a Mac or a PC? For phones, do you go for an Android or an iPhone? You know what? There's positives and negatives to both. There are reasons to go one way or another. And a lot of the time with a lot of those decisions, it comes down to, do you want the hand it to me and it works and I don't have to worry about it, but maybe it's not as customizable? Or do you want the thing that's has more customization and has more options, but also probably takes more time and has more issues. Those are things that everybody's got to answer for different reasons for different products. And yeah, it's once again, 80 bucks, I think is still very reasonable for this thing. I think two controllers and a, a, a very attractive, tiny little unit that is set up to work a hundred percent. I mean, the, the fault with the, the NES mini wasn't it as far as I know it worked perfectly there just weren't enough of them for people to buy no yeah that that is 
that is what I understand as well. That yeah, that it was a great little system that just didn't have great availability. Yeah. So I totally understand if people want to go go and get that because, you know, everything you said about getting the emulators in a Raspberry Pi, that is, if you know what you're doing or if you're willing to put in the time to learn how to do that stuff, it's not incredibly difficult, but it's still, it takes some um, DIY knowledge. It takes some looking online and reading through tutorials and knowing what you're doing. Um, if you're interested in that kind of thing, Awesome. You're willing to put in the time, you'll get a technically better product that'll probably hold more games. But if you just want to play with your kids, if you just want to play with your friends, if you don't have that technical know-how, why not? And I think it's definitely something we can add, at least right here, to our streaming lineup. Because like on the days where I don't want to put together a, a slideshow, you know what? I can pop in... Uh, Super Mario World and play and still be able to talk just fine because I go. played the fuck out of that game as a kid. <laughs> and it was, there was a reason why I played the fuck out of that game because it was super, super fun. Yep. yep. My Yoshis hated me though. I was so willing to sacrifice them for the greater good. Oh, as were we all, definitely. All right. So the other, I'm not going to go into this hugely before we go into RTX. I have a question for you. Did you, have you read any Isaac Asimov? If I did, it's been a while. Okay. I, I can't honestly say if I have or not. Like okay. I said, it, it would have been in high school. He's not, he wasn't an author that I, that I read casually or for fun. Okay. Uh, so pr the follow-up question is probably, you know, which is, are you at least familiar with the foundation series? Yes. Okay. So the other story that I had is that apparently David S. Goyer and Josh Friedman are once again in early talks to try to develop an Isaac Asimov Foundation series, which mm. the hardcore sci-fi nerd in me is super excited about. But the realist sci-fi nerd in me, um, because I've read those books and I love those books and I understand what those books are about, it is never going to work. It is 100% never going to work because... Um, Isaac Asimov at his best is a deep intellectual thinker. And if you love reading super hard sci-fi in where an entire thick book goes by and where it's basically just several characters arguing about the philosophies of robots and the universe and, uh, how robots should work and how the universe should work. It's fascinating. If you actually want action, or if you're looking, if you think iRobot, the movie, is iRobot the book, oh God, it's not. It's not. It's not 100%. Because right. um, I would love for, when I heard about iRobot, I was just like, oh, God, detective sci-fi with the, uh, it's a ton, uh, um, automata from penny arcade like what they did right, right. was yeah. like the modern version of what i wanted out of the i want to circle back to that after we're done here yeah uh, so, so anyway go ahead so i am super interested in the foundation series being turned into something but i am super worried it's just not going to work at all because no one's going to want to listen to that much talking that that's all I'm gonna say because unless you've read the Foundation series, um, I also have similar things to say about the Dark Tower series, but we'll get into that later. Um, because yeah, some and, stuff and dropped we'll have on to that. See, because the Dark Tower movie is getting ready to come out. And that's soon oh, have you read the Dark Tower books? 
It's okay. It's, I have not. Okay. No, no. The only Stephen King I really read was was some of his horror books, and then I read Eye of the Dragon, which was which really challenged my notions of fantasy and got me kind of ready for something like Game of Thrones. Okay. Uh, but no, I didn't. I didn't really get into his hardcore series like uh, like Dark Tower. I have a couple of things that I need to say that I won't say now because they're super book spoilery. And at some point, I need to get them off my chest. I have very unpopular... I've read the entire uh, Dark, Tower, Dark Tower series. And I have a couple of very unpopular opinions about them. And I am a little hopeful about the movie because of what they're doing with it, which involves me spoiling the book tremendously. So at some point, maybe I'll take over the five minutes of an end of a show or something. You can mute yourself. Uh, but I have things I need to say about that because, Oh God. Anyway, that's okay. all I wanted to say. What, what do you want to say about iRobot? Uh, well, automata. An uh, automata. Did you is see it the... automata or is it automata? I think you could, I, I don't know. It wasn't pronounced in the trailer I saw today. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm not sure, but regardless, a live action version of that is coming out. I know. Right. Soon. That's going to be awesome. I haven't seen uh, that teaser trailer thing just yet, but I'm interested. Yeah, I'll, I will put it in our Skype here uh, for you to consume later. Oh, okay. So you have it. Uh, but the other thing I was going to say, you, you were talking about, about things that are hard to adapt because there's lots of dialogue. There's lots of, of hardcore character interaction and stuff like that. Yeah. Watchmen was like that for me. I read Watchmen actually relatively not long ago i guess it was about 10 years ago and it was during a trip to a lake and what we were there for a week and on one of those days in between the drunken mornings and the drunken nights i decided that i was going to read watchmen because i just never gotten around to it before okay so i i sat on the couch and i read watchmen the rest of the day and it was fucking awesome and i loved it so when the movie was announced i'm like there's no way they can do this justice in a movie. Mm -hmm. It needs to be an, like a miniseries on HBO because by that time I had seen Band of Brothers and I'm like, this format would be perfect for it. A 10-part miniseries for Watchmen. Yeah. Watchmen is getting a miniseries on HBO. Oh, is it? I didn't know. Yes. Now, I'll be interested to know if the miniseries sticks with the original ending or if the miniseries goes with the movie ending, because uh, I will I, say I thought the movie actually did a pretty good job. The movie did an okay job. I don't see any reason why they can't completely explore the graphic novel in a eight or 10 part series. Oh yeah. I honestly don't. And in order to get the ending that you got in the comic, you do have to explore some of those little tiny things like yeah. the little intricate parts of Ozymandias' plan. So that's fine. I, I want that. I thought the Watchmen movie was okay, but I wanted more. And I hated the ending because I thought... Oh, really? Yes, I did not like it at all. Because I think that... I think that Dr. Manhattan did not need to be vilified. I liked the idea of, of kind of the, the, the false flags come gaslighting that that Ozymandias did to maintain peace to essentially save the world mm -hmm. but I don't think that needed to come at the expense of a of a friend I loved the plan I love the in, the intricate details of it and how when different things were discovered then oh sorry spoilers for Watchmen spoilers yeah for like a 20 30 year old comic here and sorry. a 15 year old movie or something 
it's not that old, but it's, but anyway, it's, it's one of those things that I've wanted for a long time. And I, I, I think the movie had to be made and Zack Snyder had to get to a place where he had clout in order for it to become a miniseries, which is fast fucking backwards. Because I think if Netflix, the production studio had been a thing when Watchmen was being shopped around as far as like a live action adaptation, they would have, they would have snapped it up. Yeah. They would have been like, you want to make a movie? No, come to us, have as many episodes as you need to tell your story. Boom, go. That's one of the reasons that um, until the most recent announcement about how they've done the Dark Tower, um, once again, I'll avoid giant spoilers, um, until they actually announced how they're doing it, I was in the same boat with the Dark Tower. I'm like, there is zero way they can do this in four, five, six, twelve movies. I mean, these are big, thick books. And this, this isn't a spoiler. Anyone who's tried to so- sell you on the Dark Tower books will tell you, oh, you need to read it, not just because it's a good story in and of itself, but it ties in all of Stephen King's other books and his into this big, massive universe. Um, right, because uh, Randall Flagg shows up in The Stand and also in that Eyes of the Dragon book that he is actually a dark sorcerer in that. Yes. Um, there, there are a couple of characters who are the same being who show up in different Stephen King stories. And you find out about that in the Dark Tower, Randall Flagg being one of them, being a big one of them, actually. Um, There are characters who disappear from Stephen King books and the explanation for what the fuck happened to them happens in Dark Tower. Like, especially later on in the last couple of books, there are moments in where you really need to know who some of these other characters are from other books in order to understand what's going on. So until I heard how they're doing this, I'm like, there is no way this can happen. There's zero way because this is just, it was insane in book form. So, but yeah, I'll get it. I, I think now having the Netflix miniseries options, having the HBO miniseries options, having this other way of telling a visual story that isn't, uh, an hour-long TV show or a two-hour movie, and that's it. That's all you get. Or go to the BBC if you want to do something weird. I, I love that we have that now. We should talk about RTX, and then we should stop on time because Luke just brought home hamburgers. Yeah, oh, yes, yes. So <laughs> <laughs> I actually made turkey burgers earlier. So my house smells like uh, like bacon fat seared onions and and turkey burger. I, I, nice. I'm going to pat myself on the back. I did fucking good there. Nice. Uh, but yes, uh, uh, RTX is coming up. It's a very strange RTX for me because uh, not more than a week ago, I got back from a seven, eight-day cruise. So I had super vacation there. It was a lot of fun. I'm actually wearing my Curacao t-shirt here. Nice. Ooh. Yeah. Very pretty. It's even, it's even the right colors for Curacao based on their flag. Uh so then it was going to be two weeks and then I'm off to RTX because I'm getting down to town early. Mm. So if you are around Austin after this coming up Saturday, which is Saturday the 1st, I think. Uh, yes, because the 4th is Tuesday and Luke and I right. leave on Wednesday. So we'll be there Wednesday evening. So um, if you're around, find me and we'll hang. I, I do have some plans already, but... Uh, nothing that can't be worked around. I mean, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. But anyway, so I am super looking forward to this RTX. It is a little strange 
not having nearly as many of the community panels as they have in past oh, years. I know. Yeah. Oh God. I, I I know there are a few. There's us, Dungeons and Dragons, Drunks, obviously. I know the community reacts, uh, or the or the. Yeah, it's the, community the, the reaction community yeah. is is having a panel. I believe the Shiznos are having a panel. Um, I think. Yes. But there's the LBGTQ the, com- community panel. I think that's like that's a community panel, but I think mostly RT people are going to be on it. I don't. I don't. Okay, think, it was listed. I think RT RT people and and I think Riot. <laughs> okay. Because she's still technically a community member. True. But um um. But I know uh, Muriel was going to be on it, and uh, actually, no, there might be. So I know there's the Let's Gay panel that Muriel is on, which I love that name. <laughs> that name is amazing. That's an awesome name. Yeah, <laughs> but, she wins um, with that name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's listed uh, on the schedule as a community panel. I think it's fair when you talk about if there's going to be a lot of risky people on it. But you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it sucks. It's I know they were trying to reduce just the sheer number of panels overall but it really does i mean on the one hand we are in the minority we get to have a panel at and we get to not only dungeons and dragons and drunks gets to do their their game at a panel we get to be in the governor's ballroom and we get a full two hours which is what we asked for so on the one hand i am talking from a position of privilege on the other hand it still friggin' sucks that a lot of our friends who normally would have panels can't. Uh, it sucks that we couldn't have a, a Glib Shark panel. Um, yeah, and I think we had hit a good stride last year because using the first half for Glib Shark business and then using the last half as a Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks QA, I think worked really well. Well, and we. So the other interesting thing is I had um, when we got the the ability to be able to have the Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks panel. We had normally been asking for Saturday nights, um, but we specifically asked for Friday night with the idea that if we could do the, the game on Friday and then Glib Shark on Saturday, then we could also have Glib Shark because it includes D and D and D. It could then be, there could be questions about the game that we could answer and we could talk about what had happened. Um, so that can't happen, but we do get D&D and D. It's happening Friday, July 7th from 4 to 6, and that's central, in the Hilton Governor's Ballroom. Um, so definitely come and watch. There will be a chance to win some cool D&D swag. I've got a whole bunch of those big D20s with the D with the Wizards of the Coast D&D ampersand as the 20 on them. Um, I've got a, oh, a whole bag that I'm just going to be... Uh, handing out d20s to people all during that game uh, so i know you i've got one for you if you want one no 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 that's not what i was gonna say yeah what i was gonna say is uh i may have acquired some some dice that uh also will be given away if you were at our panel last year you may have gotten hit in the head <laughs> by a small pack of a complete uh uh dice set Yes. Everything from your D4 to your D20 and then two D2 D10s. Nice. Need two of them. Uh, that's going to happen again. So Sweet. we will have lots of stuff to to give away. Uh, I I highly recommend you come anyway. But if you come, we will give you implements to play D&D or Pathfinder or whatever else you want to yep. play. You will get those at the Dungeons and & Dragons and & Drunks panel. 
And without giving away anything about what's going to happen, I will. It will be like previous D and D games, in where you don't need to know anything about the characters. You don't need to know anything about the uh, how to play D and D. You don't even need to be familiar with um, us and have listened to any of our episodes on, well, let's say, iTunes. You can walk in knowing nothing, and I promise you will still be entertained that you don't need to know how to play or who we are to enjoy watching. And, and that's kind of true for any decent D and D group. That's doing a one shot. You do not need to know anything to watch the same way. If you go to a really good improv comedy show, you don't need to know how improv comedy works. If they are doing something self-contained, you're going to be good. So come to our show, um, enjoy it. And, um, yeah, uh, if you are there early enough for RTX to go to SideQuest, SideQuest is going to be running all of their normal events that they run during RTX, and that includes the charity gala, which will be happening Thursday night. And once again, D&D &D has a prize package that you can win at the SideQuest event. It includes um, a bunch of T-shirts. It includes a... Uh, a copy of the latest release that came from Wizards of the Coast, which is um, The Yawning Portal, which is a gorgeous book of a whole bunch of mini adventures that you can run for your game. Or if you have a dungeon master, you can uh, lend it to them um, or just look through. It's got um, gorgeous artwork. So you get that book. Um, it has a cloth map of the tomb of horrors that was a limited release that wizards of the coast put out um i believe it was only available at a couple of conventions it was like gen con and stuff like that so we have one of those in the prize pack uh it's got some dice it has um it's got a bunch of other things it also includes a um the opportunity to help me design an npc and a monster that will appear future episodes of Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. Um, basically, I ask you a questionnaire that you can take home and fill out and email me the answers to, and you will be creating a an NPC uh, and then separately a monster, and those two creatures will appear on a future episode, and you will be thanked on those episodes. And it also includes VIP seats to our live game on Friday. So it is a prize pack of awesome. It's got stuff in it that you can take home with you it's got the opportunity to participate in one of our future games and have amazing seats at our live game so definitely definitely go to um sidequest.org to find out more information the tickets for not just the charity gala but all of sidequest events for rtx are still available and because they're awesome. The people who are running SideQuest gave us a code that if you happen to be following um, Dungeon Drunks on Twitter or me on Twitter or uh, seen some of my journal posts, you'll know that this code will get you 20% off any of the events at uh, RTX that SideQuest is running. So you can go to the charity gala, you can go to, um, they do a big um, farewell party on Sunday night at Buffalo Billiards. They do a pub game crawl on Friday. And they're also going to, is it Pinballs? Is that the name of it? 
Pinballs, yeah. Pinballs, yeah. So Monday, if you happen to be sticking around until Monday, they're they're doing a big meetup at a, a gaming place with food and um, literally pinball machines. You can go have fun. All of those tickets are still available. Go to sidequest.org. And when you purchase your tickets, whether it's just for one event or for the whole suite, if you enter the code SQENABLERS, that's S-Q-E-N-A-B-L-E-R-S, you'll get 20% off your order which is not insignificant. And then you can take that money that you saved and go to the charity gala and have 20% more money to spend uh, maybe on the Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks um, submission or something else. All of it goes to charity. So while I would love for you to spend the money on our prize pack, A, as long as you are spending money to help a good cause like Child's Play or Able Gamers or Operation Supply Drop or one of the partner charities that SideQuests helps fund, then you are doing an awesome job. So SQ enablers, go to SideQuest.org, go buy your tickets, and then come see us because I know I'll be there. Jonathan, are you going to be there? uh, Maybe. I don't don't know yet. We'll have to see. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a great event. I would highly recommend that if you've never gone to the charity gala or any of SideQuest stuff, you go because it is super, super fun. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of fun I... and it's a safe, fun place to go, especially if you're like, this is your first RTX or even your second or third and you're, you still don't know a lot of people who are going to be there. It is an amazing place, way to go. And, um, it is going to be, I mean, there's still food and drinking and stuff, but it's like, okay, I'm not going to be bar hopping on you know, in the middle of Austin, I'm going to a place that is going to have awesome people with awesome food and drinks. And it's going to be a safe place to go and hang out and meet a whole bunch of people. And you will find lifelong friendships at these things. Uh, maybe even in fancy dress. All right. Is there anything else RTX we want to talk about? I'm trying to think. I, I'm just, oh God, I'm, I'm failing so looking to think. forward to it. How long I... are you in Austin for? So you, you get in on the... <sighs> But I like get when in you leave. on this Saturday. Yeah. And then I'm leaving, I think the, I have to, I have to I'm in town for a while. Okay. Uh, I'm leaving the 17th. Oh, wow. Super yeah. long time. Okay. Well, since I can work out of Austin and I have a free place to stay, That's true. I figure it's better to drive on the weekends no, rather than try and drive home uh, after work. Okay. Yeah, so Luke and I get in on uh, Wednesday the 5th. We get in late that evening. Um, but we are staying until Tuesday the 11th. And our flight out that evening is... Or our flight out is that evening. So we will have some time. Um, Luke will have his booth and is going to have some amazing uh, stuff to sell. So definitely save up some money to buy stuff from him. So, you know, we can afford our rent at the end of the month. Hey, buy stuff. Uh, but he'll have a booth there as always. He's actually going to be in Artist Alley with the other artists this year, which will make it so much easier to find him. Hey, Luke, what's your booth? Booth 1217 in Artist Alley. So come. he'll definitely be there. Uh, he'll have one of his partners in crime, uh, Enzo, who also does button mash stuff. And I will be in and out. It's... Uh, it's not a huge booth, so I will be there as much as it makes sense, but I don't want to get in the way, so I might just be the person who shows up every once in a while to bring them food and drinks and things, and then hang out and offer D20s to people. But definitely stop by that booth and buy stuff, because he'll have awesome art, I promise. I've been watching him print it. 
<laughs> and I might be a little biased, but it's still awesome. But yeah, we'll be slightly biased, but I, I, I think justifiably biased. I think so. I mean, I married him for a whole suite of reasons. One of them being that he's immensely talented. And the other reason being that he is immensely talented. His butt is adorable. Also, he brought me hamburgers. I mean, come on. That is the quickest way to someone's heart is through their love of hamburgers. But yeah, I'm getting in town so early that I make... one. Of, it's one of the reasons why I like doing it is for this reason, is that you get to see people that are going to have a hell of a time at RTX for whatever reason. So seeing them before or after the convention is usually the way to go. Mm. I have some plans. I'm going to see Baby Driver on Saturday at the draft house or one of the draft houses. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, outside of... Um, like, as I said, we arrive Wednesday night, Thursday, with the exception of the charity gala in the evening, is mostly just last minute helping Luke prep for the con, picking up badges, yeah. getting his table set up. Um, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, with the exception of the D&D panel, I don't have anything specific. It's just be available for Luke and Enzo for whatever they need. Um and then we don't have any specific plans for Monday and Tuesday. Um, sleep a little bit, relax a little bit, definitely go see some people. Uh, so, yeah, if you're going to be in town and you are staying past Tuesday, definitely shoot us a shoot me a message, shoot Luke a message. Uh, we would love to do stuff. All so right. I just realized that we had been streaming this entire time, but no actual audio was going out. What? Yeah, OBS was being difficult. I, I oh, just no. now noticed that the uh, that the thing. So if you showed up to to clip to twitch.tv oh, no. to Shark, yeah, it didn't happen. Did you record but, it? You know, uh, yeah, I'm recording it right now. So Perfect. what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna keep the stream. I'm gonna stop the stream. I'm gonna start it again, and then I'm gonna run our audio as soon as I've got it finished here, which shouldn't take that long. Uh, I'll run that and then we will that we will have something to put up on YouTube tomorrow. Perfect. I like this plan. But, but then yeah, we should but, we should call an evening because I have burgers and you have planning and uh, I'm gonna see you in a week. In a week and one day. Week and one day. Week and one day. Uh, you heard some. You heard an announcement at the beginning of the show. That was Bob Ball. He's a voice actor. He's awesome. You may have seen or heard more music after that. That was done by Linnea Boyev. And for all of us here at Glib Shark, for Lauren, for Jack, and for myself, uh, you can follow us at Glib Shark on Twitter. Find us on YouTube. Uh, Glib Shark is our channel name, and we're super easy to find. And hopefully, you'll find this episode tomorrow, even though I fucked up. And. <laughs> It'll we work. We'll go from there. But please uh, follow us, like us, come see us at RTX. We're gonna yes. be we're gonna be so happy to see all of you. And until then, this is Jonathan saying uh, good night and see you at RTX. Bye. Bye. See you at RTX. Bye. That's all for this week's episode of Glib Shark. But you can find more swimming around the internet. Go fishing for us on iTunes. We're a five star catch. Or follow us on Twitter, at Glibshark. You can even drop us a line, glibshark at gmail.com. Until next week, stay sharky, my friends.